0: That even when we're reflecting on God's amazing grace as we take communion, uh, that we even need grace then, mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. as Ann
0: I think so vividly shared, that we all struggle. You know, we struggle to really appreciate uh, and take hold of what God has really done for us as we take that bread and we take that cup. So thank you so much, guys, and happy Mother's Day to Ann, uh, uh, mother to be of three here very soon, to yeah. sharing, mm-hmm. in the midst of all your all your uh, work there that you're doing. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, today is Mother's Day, so we do want to wish a happy Mother's Day to all the mothers here. Um, We will uh, will honor you at the end of the service today with a a gift uh, from the children, so we look forward to doing that in a moment. Uh, But you know, mom spelled upside down, I read this week, is wow. I never thought about that before. And uh, and so I do really want to uh, lift up all the moms. Uh, It is amazing uh, what moms moms do. Uh, I know we have a very special mom at my house, uh, who's in Kids' Kingdom right now, still serving the kids. And I uh, appreciate her so much. Um, I've been away for a little while. I was I was uh, asked uh, a, a disciple in Sydney, Australia married a disciple from Washington, D.C. and ended up having their their wedding in Florida. And so I was asked to officiate the wedding in Florida. So I denied myself carry my cross. <laughs> Somebody's got to serve, you know? Somebody's got to serve. And uh, so I went down there in the 20 degree weather in the sun and officiated uh, the wedding. And uh, the blessing was my, my mother lives down there right now. My father came down as well, so I was able to see my parents, which is for a real gift. Uh, so, But I missed you guys. And, uh, and I'm, and I'm, but I'm glad I missed the snow. Amen.
1: Um, we, of
0: course, are in the midst of our campaign here. Um, on renewal, uh, which we're very excited about. Uh, you know, it, it's such a, a, a great theme, a great idea. It's going to culminate with a, a great service here on Easter Sunday. We're going to canvas the neighborhoods uh, the Saturday uh, before uh, to really hopefully get some new neighbors out into even church with us here as we're meeting here at this new location. Uh, but we had a fast and prayer this week together. We broke it Wednesday night. I heard that was an incredible time. Sorry I missed you. Um, And then we have a Facebook page where good news can be shared. It's a renewal campaign. You can look it up, and if you can't find it, let me know. Uh, There's already a lot of good news on there. Um, And, you know, what a a great theme, what a great idea coming into the spring, this idea of being renewed. Who doesn't want that spiritually? Who doesn't want that in their life? Americans, we're so into new things. Uh, we actually have, a, we, especially cars. There's actually an air freshener called "New Car Scent" in America. So if you have an old car, you can make it smell like a new car because there's something special about the new car smell. I don't, I don't know if the British feel the same way about new cars, but Americans, you know, we love our cars. Um, but there is something exciting about about newness. And springtime is upon us. We can feel it today. Amen. And, of course, uh, last week we didn't feel it. We had the snow in the winter, uh, but the crocuses are blooming, uh, and and, and spring is emerging from the winter. Uh, C.S. Lewis uh, wrote in the book The Grand Miracle, uh, he's referring to this new life to come in heaven, and he refers to the change of seasons uh, and what it can teach us. Um, In his book, uh, he says, To be sure it feels wintry enough still... But often in the very early spring it feels like that. So he must have been writing perhaps when you know in this time of year. He says the spring comes slowly down this way. But the great thing is that the corner has been turned. There is of course this difference that in the natural spring the crocus cannot choose whether it respond or not. But then he writes, we can. We have the power either of standing the spring and seeking back into the cosmic winter or of going on into those. High midsummer pomps, in which our leader, the Son of Man, already dwells, and to which He is calling us. It remains with us to follow or not, to die in this winter or to go into that spring and that summer.
1: Yeah.
0: Now we're all drawn. We're all drawn as humans to, to the renewal of essential things. Mm-hmm. And we're always wanting to head from winter to spring and then to summer spiritually. Amen. Amen. And so renewal, you know, it's an echo of Eden. Right? When all was perfect, when when there was no sin and all all was new and was not contaminated by the the degradation that our sinful natures bring. Uh, And, of course, uh, renewal now as Christians is a foreshadowing of what is yet to come. And so that's why when we walk out today and we feel that sunshine, we just go, ah, that's awesome. And for a moment, right, we get a little taste of what is still to come, that, that that perfect summer life in heaven that God has in store for us. Jesus himself refers to uh, heaven that awaits us as Christians, the new life that is to come. And he actually uses the words renewal, James and Anne read Mark 14. I don't know if you noticed it there. Jesus said he would not drink the wine again until he drinks it new in his father's kingdom. That's going to be some good wine, amen? No doubt about that. But even in uh, Mark, uh, Matthew 19, verses 28-29, the scripture I have under the quote here, in Matthew 19, 28-29, 20 Jesus, he speaks of heaven as the renewal of all things. And so in light of this amazing future, the Bible calls us to renew ourselves as Christians every single day. And of course, the familiar passage that refers to that is 2 Corinthians 4, uh, verse 16. Paul says, you know, there, we do not lose heart. And it's easy to lose heart, isn't it? when things are frustrating or discouraged. Maybe this week you felt a bit that way. You're losing, you're losing your heart a bit. You're losing your hope. Paul goes on to say, he says, outwardly, yeah, we are wasting away. I got off the plane, and my back is just locking up. You know, it's like, man, I'm getting old. I'm turning 42, and it's already it's already falling apart. And it's easy to get discouraged, right, when we go through those kinds of things. And Paul talks about that. He says, but inwardly, inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16. And so this month, I believe God wants to bring all of us some form of renewal. I believe God wants to bring all of us a bit more of that taste of the summer that is to come in Christ. And so what has God put on your heart is the question where you need renewal. Maybe it's just simply in your walk with Him. It's been dry, it's been stale, it's been flat, and you know it's not where it needs to be. And He wants to give that to you again. You know, maybe it's in your relationship in the church. You, you've no longer appreciated the bride of Christ for the beauty that she has. And you need to, again, appreciate the church. Maybe it's maybe it's your heart for the lost. God's put people around you, and He's just waiting for you to be renewed in your love for the lost so you can reach out to them and help them find God in their lives. Maybe it's something else. Whatever it may be, how exciting is it to hope for that, to long for that, and to want that in our lives? So we're going to dive into some different topics uh, along these lines over the next uh, few Sundays And uh, this morning we're going to look at Romans chapter 12, just two verses I've been meditating on this passage, digging into it And I think there's a lot here we can learn about renewal So Romans chapter 12, we're just going to read two verses this morning Romans 12 Turn there or touch your screen there <laughs> <laughs> I'm
1: 16. Oh yes yeah.
0: I was at a Bible study the other day And we all had our phones Wow things are changing Romans 12 It all depends on how you use it right Technology can be a good thing Romans chapter 12 verse 1 Paul says here And we'll get the context in a moment Therefore Romans 12 verse 1 I urge you Brothers and sisters In view of God's mercy To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice Holy and pleasing to God This is your true and proper worship. Verse 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. You know, Paul devotes the first 11 chapters of the book of Romans really to paint a picture of, of the doctrine that really has come in to the New Covenant because of the mercy and the grace of Christ. And so it's, it's heavy on theology, the first uh, 11 chapters, if you will. But in chapter 12, he transitions from doctrine to duty, from creed to conduct, from belief to behavior. And so he's basically saying, in light of what God has done, and he spent a lot of time in 11 chapters to make that clear, he then says, this is how you ought to live. Paul used the imperative, uh, which is a a language of command, 13 times in the first 11 chapters. Only 13 times. In chapter 12, he'll use it 11 times alone. Just in chapter 12. So there's this real transition uh, in the book of Romans. And in fact, this chapter 12 has more commands in it than any other chapter in the New Testament. Has over 30 commands in it. And so he starts this address of their daily life by calling them to renew some things. And just three things I want to look at from this passage here uh, that he calls them to, to renew that I believe if we renew in our lives can change us as well. Uh, the first here is he talks about new mercies. New mercies. You know, he opens this section uh, with a, a, big, a big word that means a lot in this particular context. He says, therefore, mm-hmm. therefore. And the question always is, is what is therefore, therefore? (laughs) When we see that word in the Bible, we've got to ask that. Do you get it? Um, (laughs) Together, then you separate them, right? And uh, I'm speaking to people like me who are a bit slow with those kinds of things. Um, Therefore, of course, looks back to all the doctrine that Paul has covered uh, in chapters 1 through 11. And so he says, in light of all that, he says, then I urge you, I I urge you. The Greek verb denotes a sense of urgency with a note of authority. A sense of urgency with a note of authority. And it's often used in classical Greek of exhorting troops who are about to go into battle. So it's a a serious word with with serious things at stake. So, So he says, therefore, I urge you. In view of God's mercy. And then he goes on to command. Them to, to, to offer their bodies by right? these living sacrifices. And then it says they'll be able to, to understand and find uh, the will of God in their life. And so in view of God's mercy is the filter through which all the commands come uh, in chapter 12. And so chapters 1 through 11, Paul has kind of, he's, he's, he's gone through this road of, of, of mercy, or we could say grace. Those are very similar words uh, you know, in the Greek. There's kind of this Roman road, road of mercy all throughout uh, the first 11 chapters. And in 118 to 320, you can look at this later if you want to study it more in depth. Uh, it says humankind is just sinful, and because of that sin they've been condemned by a holy and just God. Chapter 3, verses 21 uh, to chapter 4, verse 25, it says, But God showcases His mercy... Of course, in the person and work of Christ, as he offers us salvation as a gift, right? It's a gift that Christ brought to us through his death that we just celebrated as we took communion. And then in chapter 5, all the way to chapter 8, verse 39, it says that God's mercy frees us from, from the law and empowers us to grow up in Christ's through this powerful and liberating gift of the Holy Spirit, so now, so now, God is 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 strengthened us and empowered us so much that He's now He now resides in us through His Spirit, and the and the law where where the, where, where the Spirit resides in the Holy of Holies could never compare to what we have now as Christians, as the Holy Spirit is now inside us. And then in chapters nine to eleven thirty six, Paul informs us that our salvation, again, he kind of reiterates, is the overflow of God's. Mercy, and that's just a summary quickly of just kind of how mercy flows through the first eleven chapters. There's much more in there than, than just that, obviously. But Romans one through eleven makes it clear, despite our sinful and rebellious ways, God chooses us, calls us, saves us, empowers us, and will one day take us home to heaven because He is merciful. And it, and it ends chapter eleven uh, in verses uh, thirty-three to thirty-six. Paul, as he goes through this incredible theology of God's mercy, he says, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. You know, it's like Paul's just so overwhelmed. By God's incredible plan and God's incredible mercy that he just has to bust out in praise. And that's what that exology is at the end of chapter 11. You know, the best motivation we see as we go to chapter 12. And the best source of of, of actions and, and taking steps of renewal today is a good memory of all the mercies God's poured into our lives. A good memory of all the mercies that God has blessed us with will help us ultimately to have the right motivation and the right strength. To really live renewal in our lives. Uh, it's what the the, the the prophet said in Lamentations 3, 22-24. Because of God's great love, we are not consumed. For His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for Him. You know, God's mercies are they're, they're new every morning. Anybody here uh, been to Ireland? I'm always amazed how many people in the UK have not been to Ireland anyway. Um half the room. And uh, I got to go to Ireland in 2001, And and I'm going back at the end of May prayerfully. And one of the things we did a lot when we were in Ireland was we just visited old churches and old cemeteries. I've never been I've never seen so many gravestones in all my life uh, until I visited Ireland. But as you're walking through all these all these um, old cemeteries, the the, the the old Celtic crosses are just these limestone, and they just they just glow, and they're just it's just beautiful. It's it's mystical. I can't I can't really describe it. But but over and over you read the tombstones. I, like I said, I've never read so many tombstones. And and over and over, you know, what what do they say on there? God have mercy on on this soul. God have mercy on her soul. I never saw one tomb demanding justice for the person that was buried. And if you think about that, you know, at the at the end of the day we, we, we die the way we live. Are we living in view of God's mercy? Do do we understand how vital that is? Do we understand how much we need that in our lives? And we get so caught up in doing this and doing that 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 we miss the motivation, we miss the heart. And then eventually the things God calls us to do that are great sacrifices, and we'll talk about that in a moment, we you know become become dutiful, and they become dry and 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 we, we miss the whole point. And I'm very guilty of that myself. You know, so take something you ought to do as a Christian today, that you know, today, tomorrow, the next God's gonna call me to do this. He's gonna call me to make some kind of a of a sacrifice. You know, t- t- Take that thing And then and then take a step back And think first about God's mercy In your life Like for example maybe you think Okay over the next month God's going to ask you to serve the poor I hope you think that way I believe you should be thinking that way uh, And that's one thing I've been thinking about in particular lately Derek and I were having a conversation recently about this So think about serving the poor And then take a step back and think about How much has God given to you The family you grew up in uh, the resources that you now have, uh, the blessings that, that you didn't even deserve, that you just you just received. And and even a poor person who maybe doesn't have much can still see that, that, that God's mercy has provided things that, that that they were not they were not really deserving in the end. You know, just to live in the UK, in some sense to me is a reflection of God's mercy. To live in a free country. Where does the idea of freedom and democracy really come from? Well, it really comes from the God who sets us free and the God who promotes such things. And that's where, you know, these kinds of governments have been built upon. And so there's just, there's so much mercy there if I look at my life. And so when I see someone who's in need, if I take a step back and think about how much God has provided for my needs, I'm much more motivated then to serve that person in that way. And so, so you can do that with anything in your life. And so a great question here is, you know, how do how do I, where or how can I, sorry, where or how can I better renew God's mercies every day this week? And I want you to think about that in light of what you think God is calling you to do. And that might reveal where you need to really understand God's mercy more in your life. And so we, we, need, we, we need mercy. I'm renewing mercy in our lives. Amen. Uh, but when we start to really get God's mercy more, it will motivate us. For good, it will, it will be a lasting change in our lives—not just a temporary quick fix in our deeds, but a lasting motivation brings lasting renewal in our lives. But that comes from understanding God's mercy. This is a very convicting point to me. You know, Dr. J. Overcoming contended that in almost every case, the beginning of new blessing—and we're looking for renewal—is a new revelation of the character of God, more beautiful, more wonderful, more precious. You know, may we see God's mercy anew and be renewed like never before. Amen? Amen. The second thing here is new sacrifices. New mercies. We also see new sacrifices. As the verse continues in verse 1, it says, In response to God's mercy, we're to offer our bodies as living sacrifices. You know, we're meant to renew sacrifice. Hence the phrase, we're meant to be living sacrifices. It's active. It keeps going. It's not just like we come and we make a sacrifice and then we stop No, it's meant to be done over and over again. And note, Paul does not say yield or surrender your bodies. Rather, he says offer. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices. There's a big difference right between yielding or surrendering yourself and offering yourself. For example, it's Mother's Day today. and Hopefully, you know, the kids and and, and the dads are, you know, there's there's a gift for mom. Or there's a a meal for mom. And, and, And imagine how mom feels if the gift... Or, or, the meal is done with with reluctance, with grumbling, with "Okay, well I've, well, I've been cooking for two hours, Mom. It's time to eat." You know that that, that that's gonna that's gonna be completely different for Mom in the end. If if, if rather if there's a, a joyful, a, a cheerful giving of that particular gift, and that's that's the kind of giving God is looking for in the church. Second Corinthians 9 7 talks about how God loves, when it comes to our money, a cheerful giver. So God is looking for the this 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 heart that we we get how much he sacrificed for us, so we're willing to sacrifice our little because he sacrificed much for us through his son on the cross. God loves a cheerful giver. And Paul states that you are to offer your body as a living and holy sacrifice, pleasing God. So the sacrifice isn't just to be, you know, it's not just to be uh, living, but also holy, but not just holy, but also pleasing to God. I think that the willingness, the offering is the pleasing part. That God sees our heart. He sees our heart and and he realizes we we want to give this to him. Um, And so there's, there's all these attributes, all these qualities of our sacrifice that it be living, that it be holy, that it be pleasing. They all follow that noun sacrifice. You know, does that describe the kind of sacrifice that we are giving to God? And then Paul concludes this type of sacrifice. He says it is our true and proper worship. Our true and proper worship. Um, it's quite interesting. The Greek uh, adjective there translated true and proper. I think the the Old NIV said spiritual. This is your spiritual um, act act of worship. Uh, and actually, the Greek word is where we get the English word logical. Okay. I won't say the Greek word because I'll butcher it. I don't speak Greek. I, mm-hmm. I, read, I read a lot of people who do. And uh, it's where we get the English word logical. It's just, it's logikos. Logikos, so it's not a hard one to say. It's where we get the English word logical. Mm-hmm. And so, I think what Paul is saying is, if you consider all that God has done for you, a sinful being who does not deserve it, the only logical response is to offer Him your life. That's the only logical response. And to respond any other way would then be Mm ill-logical. So for the geeks and nerds among us, this is exciting! God wants you to be more and more logical! Mm -hmm. He wants you to be as logical as you can possibly be! Isn't that exciting? (laughs) Some of us are maybe more excited about that than others. Mm But God, in light of His mercy, is looking for new sacrifices from us all. It is illogical as a Christian. It is completely illogical. It's crazy. It's insane to live any other way. That we don't offer our lives. We don't lay it all on the altar. You know, they say the danger of a living sacrifice, right? Is it's always trying to wiggle off the altar. And that's why every day, we've got to keep going back to that altar. And it's got to be a living sacrifice. It's got to be something that we decide in our heart of hearts to do every single day. In every way that we can. And yes, there are limits. Yes, we have constraints. Yes, we can't just all, all decide to all be missionaries in Africa tomorrow. As, as, as glorious as that sounds, right? We can't, all, we can't all do everything. But every day we can do something. Something. to make those, those sacrifices for God a view of all that He has done for us. So this week, in view of God's mercy, how can you present your body as a sacrifice to God? And the second point is very important, but it has to to follow the first. We've got to get God's mercy. We've got to get God's mercy. If we renew His mercy, we can then renew our sacrifices for Him. The campaign calendar, which is in the back if you need more copies, it's also attached to the newsletter. Uh, The campaign calendar has on the left side column all these different ideas of things you can do. And every day there's different things you can do. And and again, those are opportunities, right, to, in view of God's mercy, to to become those living sacrifices that are holy and pleasing to God. Mm -hmm. So, new mercies, new sacrifices, and finally, new minds. In verse 2, it goes on Do not conform to the pattern of this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test. And approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. You know, any renewal in life is going to come from a, a new mind. Mm. A new way of thinking, right? A, a new path that is an awesome path is going to often come from a new idea. The mind controls the body. And verse 2 gives the means by which we can carry out the urging of verse 1. Mm. And really here in verse 2 there are two commands, right? One negative, one positive. In verse 2 it starts out, you know, by saying, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Uh, The term conformed in in, in Greek literally means to be be pressed into a mold, according to a pattern. Um, Philip's translation says, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold. Because our our souls are fragile. They're susceptible. Like that apple in that press. And, and as soon as you start letting the world press in on your soul, it can crush you. And it can happen quickly. And it doesn't take much. And whether you're a young Christian or an old Christian, that's very true. We're, we're all just a few, few bad decisions away from being conformed to the pattern of this world. And perhaps some of us right now, maybe that's the whole problem. It's not, it's not theology... It's not, well, if the church would just do this, or if the church would just do that. It's not, oh, if my husband would just be this way, if my wife would just change this. We're just worldly. We've just slowly compromised and let the world come in more and more and more. So now there's no difference between me and, 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 and my pagan neighbor. We live the same way. Talk to, oh, no, I go to church on Sunday. That's the only difference. And that's what Paul is warning against. says, do not, do not conform to the pattern of this world yeah. it's not passive it's got to be active yeah. to not perform it's not something you, you try to do it's something you must do mm-hmm. to have new minds we must fight against the tide of sin self and satan himself mm-hmm. you know, how much television do you watch in the course of a week mm-hmm. that's going to do something not saying TV is wrong, but at some point we're conforming to the pattern of this world with our television. How many movies do you watch in the course of a year? How many hours do you spend on Netflix? At some point, at some point, it's conforming us to the pattern of this world. And of course, it's not just how many hours you spend, but what you're watching. Oh, well, you know, there, there wasn't that much violence and nudity. I could, I could somewhat tolerate it, you know. Very quickly, we can say that to ourselves, and we're looking just like that apple before we know it. The kind of music you listen to, what does it promote? Young people. Hmm. I grew up in the world. I know, I know what a lot of the music is about. Trust me, and, it, and it's not a good message. And if it's not a good message, why are we listening to it? Why are we why are we promoting that artist? And again, I'm not saying you can only listen to Christian music therefore. I'm not saying that. I got plenty of secular artists I love to listen to. But there's quite a few songs I don't listen to. Because it's again conforming me to the pattern of this world. The internet, what we're looking at, how much time we're devoting to social networking, the friends that we have, and that's sometimes inside the church, sadly. Sometimes our friendships make us more worldly and more more proud and more religious or whatever. You know, even just how we spend our free time. Again, you know, are we conformed to the patterns of this world? And of course, that's not where God, Paul wants us to focus. He gives us really the solution to that problem. It's not just to, to ban Netflix for the rest of your life. He says, no. didn't have it then anyway. wouldn't have said that, but you get what I'm saying. But maybe we need to take a break. Maybe that's a good fast in your life. He says, you know, but be transformed. That's really the solution. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so Paul says, don't get get too paranoid about the world. Oh, the world. You know, he says, no, no. Be transformed. The Greek word there is where we get the English word metamorphosis. Be changed by the renewing of your mind. Then you can test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Then you can walk through the world and you can know God's will and not be fooled by it. Then you can get on Netflix and you can handle it the right way. Because your your mind is spiritual. And you're living out God's will in your life. You know, we're all at different places spiritually in life. I studied biology, so I try to use it on occasion when I'm up here. And uh, this is a very not complicated thing here. The life cycle of a butterfly, right? The butterfly starts out as a larva. We call it a caterpillar, but that's really what it is. It's just a larva, uh, which doesn't sound nearly as glorious as the caterpillar. Of course, the caterpillar eventually you know, builds a cocoon. And as the chrysalis, that hangs. It, it, it kind of hides out in there for a while as it starts to develop its wings. And it starts to complete the the life cycle of the butterfly, but it has a protective cocoon around it, mostly for predators. They, they think is why that, that's the case. And it oftentimes hides out on a tree. And then eventually that, you know, they don't know what causes this, but it just knows to break out when the wings are fully developed, and then the hole in the chrysalis starts to open and out, emerges the butterfly. But when it emerges out, it doesn't immediately start flying. Its wings have been cramped inside that little chrysalis, uh, and then as its wings start to spread out, they have to actually get rid of a lot of the liquid that was inside the cocoon, and they have to start to flutter and move and expand, and then eventually... It starts to fly and becomes that beautiful butterfly we'll all be enjoying soon here in the UK as the spring and summer approaches. And I, and I like this because I believe, um, oh, I'm sorry, actually, I, I missed one of the stages, the beginning stage. You don't, you, you're, not, you're not born a larva, you're, you're actually an egg. Then you become a larva, sorry. Uh, sorry. It's, sorry. it's not reincarnation, I'm not, I'm not teaching that, I don't believe it. <laughs> Start out as an egg um, But this state th- These different stages to me are, are, are often true of our Christian lives You know what stage are you in If you're a new Christian You know you you've just come out of the egg You know amen You're a spiritual larva and, that, and that's okay That's not to put you down That's just That's where you're at You gotta, gotta start eating You gotta start growing You gotta start moving God's got plans for you. He, he wants you to fly. He wants you to fly and renewing your mind every day. That's why you have your quiet time, young Christians. That's why you have your quiet time. So you can renew your mind of the, the beauty and the wonder that God has in store for you. And the plan and the purpose that He has for your daily life. That's why you have that quiet time. That's why that's so important. You know, but sadly, a lot of times as we get older spiritually, we're, we're, we get stuck in these pre, in these immature stages. We're supposed to be flying like a butterfly in the kingdom of God, but we're still a larva. Yeah. And a lot of times it's because our, our mindset, our thinking, has gotten it's gotten unspiritual. It's gotten worldly. We've been pressed into the world's mold. And so, and so we come here and we're not really looking to grow the way that we need to. And so I think we all need to, this month, be saturating ourselves into godly thinking. Digging in our Bibles. You know, thinking, applying it to our lives. reading Reading extra books. Uh, looking at Christian blogs, listening to Christian podcasts, getting on that Facebook renewal campaign and hearing all the good news. Using our WhatsApp you know, and, and, and Snapchat and those things to spread the good news, to, to saturate our lives, saturate our thinking right? with these things that God is calling us to. Let's memorize scripture. Let's bring it with us. Let's write it down on a piece of paper if we struggle at work to have the wrong mindset. And the other thing I think we have to do, and we did it this last week, is slow down. That's, I think, one of the beauties of fasting is it just slows us down. It forces us to to really think about what we're really doing and why we're doing it and what really matters in life. Everyone is busy today, but worship runs in the opposite direction. Worship is meant to, to help us to see how little we are, to be still and know that God is God. So let's turn off the TV. Let's turn off the radio. Let's turn off the mobile phone. Let's shut down the computer and hear from God. That will renew our thinking. And then what's so exciting is Paul says that and then and then we can test and approve what God's will is. And if, we, and if we start to really get God's will, it'll be good, pleasing, and perfect. Man, doesn't that sound good in life? Amen. And notice Paul doesn't speak of finding or discovering God's will at the end of verse 2. He says that you can test and approve what God's will is. And I read this, uh, and I think it kind of makes a lot of this. It says the apostle is not dealing with the question... Such as, should I get married? Where should I go to university? Should I buy a new house? Should I move to London or Scotland? These questions are important, but they are secondary when it comes to God's will. The will of God here deals with obedience to His general will. As you obey God's revealed will, He may well unveil His specific will for you. But if you refuse to obey His explicit moral will, there is no point praying for God to reveal His specific individual will for your life. If you obey the clear commands of this text, God's will finds you. Mm -hmm. New minds will open new doors into the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. So let us this month renew our minds. Amen? Amen. Amen. Friends, uh, visiting with us today, we're thankful that you're here with us. And I want to ask you a very, very important question. What is God's will for your life? What is God's will for your life? And I believe what you're seeing today is one of them is he wants to renew your life. He he wants to give you hope. He wants to give you a future that is bright. And there's so much renewal available in Christ Jesus. He actually said in John 3 verse 5, he said there's so much renewal available in him in John 3 verse 5. He says when you come to him and you become a Christian, he says you're born again. That's as new as you can get right there. I think there's also people who love new baby smells as well, right? Uh, It's a new baby. At least my wife does. uh, But that's spiritually what Christ is offering you if you're not a Christian today. He's, He's not offering you a bunch of religious rules and regulations, He's offering you a new life. You're never too lost for God to give you a new path. You're never too old for God to make you a newborn soul. You're never too confused for God to give you a new truth today. But you must come to Him. Who can make you born again. And as a church we'd love to help you to understand and and know what it means to to have faith in Jesus, to repent in Jesus, and to be baptized in Jesus. And and, and if you don't understand what that means, please let us know. We want to help you uh, to find newness in Him. Because that's really what the gospel is all about. And church, and again friends visiting, you know, let's today decide to, to embrace renewal. Let's renew God's mercies. They are new every morning. Let's renew ourselves as living sacrifices. It will be holy and pleasing to God. And let's renew our minds. And then we will find God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. And the Burnham Church said, Amen. Amen. Thank you. The uh, children are going to be coming in in, in a moment, uh, although I don't see them,
1: <laughs> and uh, once
0: they come in, uh, we're going to honor all the mothers, um, but maybe, maybe before we, we do that, I just have to make a couple of quick announcements for for